And now, the other part of the shepherd. And I need you to do this for me again. The other week I asked you to turn your cell phone off so it wouldn't even light up. You don't have to do that, but because I know the enemy is the prince of the power of the air, uh, if you would so kindly at least silence it and turn it over where you can't see um, Walmart telling you you can get 10% off or whatever. I know that the Lord would really appreciate you doing that. Back in January, when we began to talk about just the area the Lord was leading us, and again, I believe it's back to our, our roots, and we are constantly tweaking things. Uh, the children's ministry, we're, you know, we're, we're tweaking that, and that's going great. There's a great group of people that... Uh, just really giving of themselves as is in the student ministry. And um, one of the things that the Lord had laid on my heart when I shared that with you about what we were going to be doing was that I believe that the Lord was birthing revival. You may remember the service or services, but I believe he was birthing revival among our, our children and our youth. In these last days, that's that's what I believe. And I um, wondered about a lot of that at times because, you know, it seems like the bad news is louder than the good news. Amen. But it's not. It it can't be. And so. One of the things that simultaneously while the Lord was dealing with me about revival taking place in these last days was the book of Acts, uh, specifically chapter 2. And um, I thought about Acts chapter 2. Now, I, let me just go on and put it out here. You're going to have to give me a minute because I'm kind of taxiing on the runway, okay? Y'all got me? They have not waved me with the old-fashioned flags and says it's your turn to fly yet. So I'm just taxiing right now, all right? We'll get off the ground in a minute. Speaking of getting off the ground, you don't know what it's doing for me to see the miracle walker. John Danny Williamson sit right there on that second. Look, can I just tell you this? Let me tell you what God did. Not only did God, and, and he, he was painting over at the children's building and had an accident, and he already had uh, issues and didn't need insult to injury, but he was told that it was so bad that like his vertebrae or something was crushed, right, brother? Something, it, 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 was, it was bad. It, it was going to take more than a dome's pill, if you know what I mean. And 
To make matters worse than that, he was also told that nothing really could be done for that. It, it, that's just the way he would finish his life out. But prayer changes things. And listen, now what he told me this week, he said, I'm not supposed to swing a golf club yet, but November the 2nd, is that right, John? He's going back, and uh, he may get the flags for him to quit taxiing and take off. But let me tell you something, folks. This is why we're not the only ones that's praying now, but this is why Jesus said pray without ceasing. Because you don't know whose prayer is going to break through. And the Lord said, whoop, that's the end of that back situation. So don't you quit praying. Don't you quit praying. So we give God. <laughs> Hallelujah. All the glory. Amen. 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 So God has been dealing with me. And I'm, I'm about to pick up the speed on the taxi now. All right. So. The Lord had been dealing with me about this whole Acts chapter 2 and about revival and reminding me about the beginning of the year and how everything has just taken a, 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 a great leap forward in the life of this church. And then as I looked and thought and studied about Acts chapter 2, you know, I preached about Jesus feeding the, the thousands and after he fed the thousands, then the thousands got down to about 500, saw him at one time. Well, nobody was there pretty much when he was apprehended and taken to be crucified. They all did what he said they would do. They scattered, so he was lonely. And then, you know, they saw him, and even Doubting Thomas wasn't there after he arose from the dead. And then 500, you know, that 40-day period after he was... Uh, risen before he ascended. At one time, the Bible says 500 people saw him. The Bible says with many infallible proofs that took place, people saw this. So nobody could discount or discredit what he did. And that's why they were willing to give their lives, and they did give their lives. But I thought about that group that ended up in the upper room where we first start hearing about the church being born and revival, and the recipe was that the people had unity, and the shifting and the shaking got down to about 120. Thousands were fed, 500 saw it, and there should have been 500 crammed up in that room, but there wasn't. There wasn't. About 120 is what the Bible says. And so the Lord began to deal with me and said the reason that 120 got to what it was was because of their love that they had for one another. I, I talked to you about this a couple months ago, but the Lord has brought me right back to it. And then I didn't know what week the Lord was going to have me to share this with you, and then I was thinking this week, and then on Monday, and I don't mind saying, Frankie had forwarded a message to me that, that her aunt, their aunt Geneva, that Bo's sister that I love like my sister, uh, that lives in the, at the beach, or if you're really holy, it's at the coast, and uh, you don't believe in the beach, but the coast is cool. She, is, she lives at the coast, and she, 
she sent this. I, I know this guy because he's in the church of God. I listened to the message, and during the course of the message, man, it, it hit me right between the eyes, and the Lord says, okay, uh, you need anything else? I knew that God said, this is the week you're supposed to start sharing this. Then I had a conversation. I'm walking you through. We're going down the runway here. Then I had a, a, conver a, a conversation Friday um, with a, a, a lady that I know very well, her family. It, it was uh, about some business, about insurance. And she was asking, talking to me about church and different things like that. And she said, oh, you know, one of the things that, that I just thought through all of this with COVID and the pandemic and everything, I really thought that, I thought that it would drive more people to church and, and put a fear in people and make people want to go to church. I said, not happen, not happen. I said, if anything, people have just, well, the Bible says cold and, and different and, and all that. And, and that let me know that that's a sign that there is a, a very huge absence of revival. And then, then I heard this week, about two or three weeks ago, I would call names, but some people are going to know. And I had a brother in the Lord to tell me about a vision God had given him about an area of ministry. He didn't know what to do. And so I just said, brother, you just need to do exactly what God told you to do. Just go and start praying in that area God told you to pray and talk to the other people involved in that. And then I heard this week again out of that same area that God dealt with another young man and had him to do something that was very, very, very tremendous from everything that I've gathered. And so God reminded me. He said, I told you it's happening because when I just described those last two situations to you, I got to tell you, folks, that's straight out of the second chapter of Joel where he talks about, you know, in the last days the Lord said, I will pour out my spirit. He said, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. He said, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And the Lord says, see, it's going to happen. And it's already began to, happening, to happen. The, the, the steps are being put in place for what I said that will take place and it's beginning to take place. But you've got to make sure that the entire church that's there, maybe the 120 that's here or online, they have to know what has to take place is the very thing that has already taken place early on before anybody's time. And you see, on the day of Pentecost, when that 120 were gathered together in that, that upper room, then when they gathered together in unity, unity took place, and then from that unity... The power of God, the revival pouring out power of God was shed abroad on all of these people, not the talkers, not the people with good intentions, but the people that 
that show up and man and woman up. Those were the people that the power was poured out and then from that unity and from that love and from that power that generated more love than provision upon provision took place. And I'm telling all of you that the thing that I can't get away from without going down the road again is that we are looking at a bleak, dim future as far as the earth and the world and our country is concerned and the very people in this room that you're looking at right now may be the people that actually save your life or provide something that you no longer can provide for yourself before the Lord comes back. Now, in the book of 1 John chapter 1, and see, this is what happened to me weeks ago. God just had me in the book of 1 John 1, uh, the whole book, and then 2 and 3 John, and throughout the whole theme, here it goes. The whole theme of that book, those three small books in the Bible, is this right here. Love one another. I don't want to get off of my timeline here, but I got to tell you this. Here we go. Liking somebody and loving somebody is not the same thing. Not liking somebody but pretending you love them is definitely, definitely not the same thing. Functioning around other people in a frame or state of mind that you do like them, but inwardly you don't like the things they do, things they stand for, they grate on your nerve. In fact, you don't like them, you loathe them. You can't stand them while being a Christian. And what I'm telling you applies in this room right here. You can't play dodgeball today from the Holy Ghost, so, so just don't do it. I can't do it, so don't you do it. And because we dwell together, that doesn't mean nothing. You see, I believe that 120 people that showed up in the upper room, I believe they had to, in spite of people's shortcomings, in spite of what people were and habits and things they did, what held them together was so great and so grand that all of that stuff no longer had permission to reside in their heart, let alone in their head. And there is absolutely, with, the, with all of the work and the tens of thousands of dollars that have been spent, there is no way in the beginning uh, signs of revival according to the scripture that's taken place. We will not have church-wide revival if we do not get to a place where we genuinely, without being one ounce of a hypocrite, according to the Bible, love 
undeniable love for one another. We will not see the Holy Ghost poured out among all of the people of God that attend this place. In fact, you could be a Judas that has to be gotten out of the way so it can take place if you are not in. That was a bold statement, wasn't it? But I'm glad the Holy Ghost said it, not me. You know, the flesh of me and say, well, what if they quit paying tithes and all that kind of... I don't care, I ain't preaching today. I, I didn't have permission to come behind the pulpit today. I think that's why the Lord kept say, showing me that and that and that and that. So let me tell you this. Historical bitterness, you got to repent over it. Historical grudges you got to get rid of, and, and can I just go on and lay it down for you? Everybody in here, everybody in here, you don't know me that well, Pastor. I don't, but the Holy Ghost has got your number. Everybody in this room right now, you've got something that just grates on somebody's nerves at some point or another. Sorry. Sorry. I know a lot of them sitting beside you, but there's other people other than that. So listen to me. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone astray. He without sin cast the first stone. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. So, the, the Lord said that until we deal with loving one another, you ain't going to get on the first step that leads up to that upper room, let alone sit there when the Lord pours it out. Don't care what you do in the church, what you give in the church, how long you've been a Christian. If you say you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you speak in tongues and you know how to quote about three-fourths or the entire Bible and you know Greek and Hebrew very well, it doesn't mean. 1 Corinthians 13 says, if you give your body to be burned and you don't love, it don't profit you nothing. So if I start reading to you in the fifth verse, this is what you'll read. Then, or this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare in you, declare to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. I'm glad I got plenty of time today. If we say, I'm telling you the word of God is so good. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie. I ain't running through them today. They got a sink. They got the stick. They, I, with the praise team we talked about, hey, Praising God, the walls falling down, breaking up the dirt so the seed. That's what praise and worship was about today. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. All right? But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, here you go. We actually have fellowship 
with one another, and the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. Now, I wrote this down in my other Bible at home, but I picked up a, like a three-step deal right there. And that three-step deal was, first of all, I got to walk in the light. It's like a process. This happens and this happens. So it starts off with me walking in the light, doing what I know to do, even when my flesh says, well, I'm, I'm pulled and I'm torn. Nope, that's not walking in the light. And walking in the shadow is not the same thing as walking in a light or the light. The second thing that it says is that when I walk in the light, that's when I'm actually going to have fellowship. All right? So I'm having fellowship only when I'm walking in the light. So my church attendants seeing you, and I hate your guts, you are deplorable, you Christian, you. And that's not fellowship. And that happens to me. I, I'm going to tell y'all, this is probably a, a dangerous thing to say, but I fell on my face Monday or Tuesday in my office. And I repented over just having some, just some horrible feelings toward the church. And you know what? And I'm not by myself with what I'm saying right now. But when you get wore out, I'm telling you from this week's experience, you give the enemy access to all kind of thing, areas in your life that you normally wouldn't. That's why the Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing. And some of us have been worn out. And that's what happens. You get mad at people. You get mad at people that pick and choose when they, they're going to come church if nothing or things about the church. You get mad if people... Uh, are selective about being careful. You, you, you get mad if people just think it's okay to sin in any case. You, you just get mad about, and a lot of it's, it, it's, it's like legit stuff, but you don't have permission to get mad, you see. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Well, when you start getting mad and it turns into grudge and you harbor feelings or... You just tick me off, man. I'm staying away from you. That's when sin is taking place in your life. I know right now, I know everybody's not going home to download this message, okay? I'm good with it too. So I'm going to just get you to listen as best I can. So when you walk in the light, then that's when that real fellowship takes place. I think, of course, and I'm on the, on the road, brother. Hey, that's when... I think 120 people realize I can't walk up them steps to that room. I can't go up them steps. You know, if we had, if we had the resources today, I'd be on them steps. I, man, I got resources. Don't I, Carson? I believe when they started walking up the steps, they had to start dropping bitterness, love they really didn't have for Somebody that they've known for, I, I think 
before they could get on the stairway, they had to do away because when they got to the upper room, there was only room for one thing, and that was the fellowship that comes from God. Or he wouldn't pour it out. And let me tell you something. If you don't think this sick Scotland County that we're living in, I'm going to keep it local for a minute. I, I, every place is whacked up, and I know that, but I'm talking about home. If you don't think there's a lot of things going on right now that only the power of the Holy Ghost is going to confront and deal with, then, then you might as well stay at the house because you've already drunk the Kool-Aid. There's a lot of things that's taking place in our community, in our families, man. Nothing, and I mean nothing, is going to address it but the power of the Holy Ghost. The bondage is so strong right now. Satan again, he is the prince in the power of the air. He controls everything. He manipulates everything from uh, industry to school systems to entertainment. He, he controls everything, every board, everything. He controls everything. He controls crime. He controls finances. He controls all of it. And I want to tell you this. We can have all kind of good programs and facilities, but there's one thing that we can't build and we can't buy, and that's the power of the Holy Ghost, the revival fires of God, and that will only come when all of us can walk up those steps together or whoever's left of us that realizes, look, I can't take this with me, and I might be the plug holding back the dam that God wants to pour out at multitudes. Let me tell you something. You can't fly just because you don't tell nobody how you feel about somebody. You're not getting past the Holy Ghost on this. Now, you can forget it. I don't care if you're the queen. doesn't matter what you are or what you say you are. You are the king. You know, I start thinking about King Curtis and the bacon. Nobody, about three of us know about that. Don't matter who you think you are. Or what you are. Or you don't bother nobody. I don't do anything in the church. Why, 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 why? Because, because we need what only God can give right now. And I can't be a fool because I'm scared of you thinking, well, I don't want nobody to think I'm talking about now. I mean, I'm talking to all of us. I told you nobody's exempt today. Nobody like ducking, waiting on me to shut up. All of us are on the surgical table right now. And the one that says, well, that ain't really me, is the one that probably ought to beat everybody to the altar today. So, if you walk in the light, you have fellowship with the light, then you have fellowship with one another. And, and then the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all unrighteousness. That's why a lot of us, including me, wake up on Mondays and I feel very dirty a lot of times because I need to be washed in the blood and the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. That's what needs to take place. And, and there's no sense in me asking God to wash all of this feeling that I have if I'm not willing to forgive and completely denounce my feelings, my animosity, my historical root of bitterness, uh, just the way I can't, I can't stand your standard. 
I got to get rid of that if I'm going to pastor this church and watch the Holy Ghost be poured out on us. I've got to do that. So I got to walk in the light. I've got to have fellowship, and then I can feel and know and, and, and live in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. That's why a lot of people have said the sinner's prayer, but they just won't let go of other things, you know. That's why they feel dirty. That's why they can't move on because you just won't get washed. So anyway, and if I go over to the very next chapter and I start at verse 3, I'm going to do a little better this time. And hereby, we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, love your neighbors yourself, that, that kind of word, whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. So if you keep his commandments and you do what he says and you are experiencing the love of God actually being perfected in your life, then the Lord says, uh, then you are the man, you are the woman that's in him. He that saith he abideth in him all himself also to walk even as he walketh. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you've heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. Verse 9, he that saith, he is in the light and hateth his brother. Well, I don't hate them, Opie, but they just... Stop. Because we're going somewhere with this, folks. You call it dislike, cause it hate. Hate's a strong word. God's got a high standard, friend. Better get used to it. He that saith he's in the light, he hate and hateth his brother. It's in darkness even until uh, right now. But verse 10 says, He that loveth his brother abideth. Abideth. That means you've hung your hat up. That's where you're living. You abide in the light. And there is now, now that you finally made it to the light, now there is none occasion of stumbling in him. So, 1 John 1, 7 said, you know, the light, the love, and the blood, John, that we're talking about, he's still taxiing. I can't believe it. I know. It's a long runway, y'all. John, that we're talking about, the two brothers, James and John, he's the John that I'm talking about. He really knew what it meant to love one another. You need to hear this very closely because it was 
our Lord and Savior, as he was hanging and dying in agony on a cross, looked over at this John and said, Son, behold your mother. Man, behold your mother. Woman, behold your son. So it didn't matter what John had planned for the rest of her life, he was now given the opportunity but also the job of honoring and loving Mary until she was gone out of this world. So he was very familiar, and that's why this whole book repeats it, as well as the Gospel of John, about loving one another. Folks, I'm telling you, it would be bad to spend a whole entire life thinking and believing I was on my way to heaven, and I did, and I served, and I gave, and I gave up, and I did all this, but I wasn't willing to let go of a little bit of animosity or anger that I had for a family member or a church member. And, and, and that's the thing. God says, whoa, 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 whoa. Before you worry about running like past me down the golden streets, I need to discuss something with you. See, I'm trying to avoid that happening because, well, that can't happen, preacher, if you're saved. Uh, uh, don't say that. So we need to, we need to stay at home plate here. Because the Lord says, listen, you've got to love one another if you're going to walk in the light. If you're going to heaven, heaven's full of light. In fact, it doesn't have a light switch. Jesus Christ himself is the light. So if you're going to be a part of the eternal light, then you've got to walk in that light right now. And there is no way you can walk in that light and live in bitterness and expect God to pour out the Holy Ghost to confront the 30,000 people that we're going to reach some kind of way or another. Paul also mentioned this, and here we go. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, he's, he mentioned it a few times. He said, but it's touching brotherly love. You don't need for me to write into you, for you yourselves are taught of God to love one another. He also said it in Romans 12, 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Outdo yourselves, is what one translation says, in honoring one another. In Philippians 2, 3, he also went on to say, do nothing out of selfish ambition or empty pride, but in humility consider others more important than yourselves. In Romans 13, again, Paul said this. He said, oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath, fulfilled the law. And then Peter talked about it in 1 Peter 1. He says, seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brothers, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. You see, they went up those steps and they got to the top. When they got to the top, they realized they had, the Bible says this, I'm not making this. The Bible says when they got up to the top, it says they were all in, a lot of you old people, uh, old, old schoolers, how about that? Old in the Lord, they were all in one mind and one accord. You see, you can't almost be in one of mine. You know, I talked about almost giving Jesus all. You can't almost be saved. Uh, 
almost being saved is fully lost. When they got to the upper room, there was about 120 left out of all the crowds, and they were in one mind of love and one accord of love. No bitterness, no backbiting, no just staying away. That's the, you know, just shun the very appearance of evil. See, we get, we make a, a scripture work when we need it to work. Shun the very appearance of evil. Don't let your good be evil spoken of. I just stay away. All those kinds of things I quote sometimes. They got up there. It was pure, unfeigned, not faked. It was love. Love for the brother because when the Holy Ghost fell, after it fell, then all of those people, all of the people that made it up there were all filled. They all spoke with other tongues. I believe that was worldwide evangelism because there were people from all over the world that heard them speaking in their own language. And then something unique happened that's happening right now. The church was persecuted big time. This is why you got to listen. If you don't care about nothing else I said, you better listen because you apply it right now. The church was being persecuted and the church was constantly being sought out and sought after. And it got to a point where the Bible says this in the second chapter of Acts that if any of them, uh, because we don't know what they lost or what they had uh, to get rid of or what was burned down or taken from them. I, I know I don't really make a lot of sense right now, but you have no idea what you're living in, what's about to go down. So you ought to listen while you can, okay? You really ought to listen whether you believe a word or not. You ought to listen because something you can retain may feed you and your family or clothe them or shelter them in the very near future. Amen. So I'm telling you that what happened with these people were that they all were so tight and they had not such a bitterness, but such a love for one another through the power of the Holy Ghost and God letting them experience revival that if one of them needed a couch, this man sold his mule so they could buy a couch. If this one needed beans, he would go get some of his beans and he would bring him beans. If this one needed a room to stay in because they were persecuting Christians and their house was just torched and burned down, Nobody, nobody out of that group had need of anything because the love was so strong that it generated constant provision for the church. Not the government, not anybody else, not a rich somebody in town that felt bad for them. But as they had need, they sold their goods. They did whatever. And I know, you know, I need to play this later, this part of the message later, and then you'll say, oh, that's what he was talking about. I, I, I really wish we would have jumped in and dealt with that then. And in closing, I want to I, I tell you what the problem looks like. I, I want to show you what the problem looks like. On Monday of this week, I, I was with Beckham playing... Uh, in the sand at his, at his house, there's an old swing that was there that kind of was there when they moved to the house. 
And I just noticed when I'd go in, I'd have to sweep the cobwebs away just to sit there to watch him play. And I was watching him play one day. I thank God for this prop right now, Lord. Oh, Lord, I just thank you for the prop. I was sitting there, and he was playing. And this, this message, God began to deal with me. And I looked at those cobwebs and all that, and he said, that's the problem. He said, you know, we're just trying to swing our way through all of this. He said, you need what I have, which is my spirit. You, you need it. All this evil that's happening right now, nothing's going to confront it. Not even a positive, motivated preacher is going to help anybody. He said, and what happens is, is what I noticed. Before I could enjoy it, I'd always have to clean the cobwebs off. And, and, and I mean, I cleaned it good. I got it good because I found a spider up there. And then I, I went the next day back down there where he had his, his toys at. And when he didn't say, Poppy, dig with me. And you know, that right there just does it all. Get out of the swing then. I noticed, I said, man, before I can sit down again overnight, there was some more cobwebs that I had, I had to deal with and get out of the way before I could sit down on that swing. And that's what the Holy Ghost has been teaching me all week long. He said, you want to swing. You, you want to live in that book again. You want to live in Acts chapter 2. He said, and here's the part you need to understand. You really need to be living in that right now. He said, but you don't realize that what you knelt and prayed earlier that you got to do every day because, see, the devil's always roaming to and fro. And he'll put bitterness in your heart. He'll crank up a whole memory and get that thing to running again. And he'll, he'll, he'll just say, it's all right. But you, you see, every day you got to realize, well, I really love them. And I got to get rid of these thoughts. I got to get rid of these feelings. I've got to love them, ask them to forgive me. I, I just got to ask God because God's not going to let me enjoy what he's got for me to enjoy and let me see what he's got for me to see until I deal with it. And I got to be willing to deal with it every single day of my life because there's not one day of any of our lives that dev the devil sleeps, slumbers, or doesn't use a weak moment if you're tired in your body or upset or anything that he don't walk right in and say, what about this right here? And it's work. You've got, you can't get used to it. You can't say, well, I'll just, because there might be a spider on there that can kill you. And see, he knows that. He's ready to kill, steal, and destroy. I need you to stand with me, if you will. And I want every person to listen. Because what God is wanting to do, not just in the children or student ministry or just in the church, here at Multitudes, God is wanting to do this, folks, everywhere. He said, I will pour it out everywhere, but it's got to start somewhere. It has to start, folks. Paul said that in 
the second chapter of Ephesians, he said, in whom you are all building together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. You see, I think that real soon it's going to be where I'm going to need you, something from you. You're going to need me or something from me. Everything from a cup of sugar maybe to a bedroom. And see, this, this message will make a lot more sense for some of this stuff a little bit later on. But see, I can't afford to wait. We can't afford to wait. And God certainly can't afford for us to drag our feet and wait. So, the way the Lord's laid this on my heart today, because let me tell you what's taking place before you close your eyes. Some of us are trying to figure out if you like what's been preached today or is it really necessary? What we're doing is working. Well, see, that's what none of us know because what God can do, what He's already started doing when I used those two young men earlier, what God's already started doing is not something I'm interested in stopping right there. And see, that's the beginning of that passage to me. I don't care if you say you're taking it out of proportion. It, that, I, I'm, way, I'm way above all that. But I'm telling you, folks, we need God in a powerful way right about now. Amen? We need Him. Whether you are hungry and thirsty after righteousness or not, you don't know how bad you need Him working in the full power that He's willing to work in according to His Word. But we're going to find out real soon. So what I feel like God would have me to do is just ask those of you that just really want to pray first of all just to find a place to pray from there all the way don't sit in my swing now but anywhere all the way up to the swing and you got to be serious you, you just got to be don't worry about if somebody knows why you're coming now look any person that's not searching their soul right now is jeopardizing what God's going to do in your life or your family's life or your job situation or your financial or your health situation. See, I'm ready. I'm ready for us to need this size building to have children's ministry, to have youth ministry. I, I, I'm ready for us to out. Uh, we just have such a need. And folks, can't do it. You can go to the biggest churches in the world that run 100,000 people. There's one in China that runs a, half a, a quarter of a million. You can go to any church you want to, but there's nobody that can produce or generate what the Holy Ghost can do and how He can transform people's lives. 
Nobody can do it, but God can do it. But he, he's, he's looking right now. So as you pray together in this building, it needs to start off by thanking God for one more opportunity to do this. And like I've already done and going to continue to do, God, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, because this is not the way you want me to leave. I'm not supposed to exit like this. Multitudes is not supposed to exit the scene like this. So as you begin to pray, that's what I'm going to do, Father God. I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord. Any person that's here online that don't know the Lord, maybe you say, well, I, I used to know the Lord, or I haven't been to church or done anything that relates to the Lord in a long time. The Bible says that the Lord, His mercy endures forever, and that all we have to do is to say, Father, forgive me. I'm, I'm wrong. 
And what you did at Calvary is, is what I need to accept. And if you'll ask the Lord to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you, the Bible says he'll do that. He'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And he'll help you with that stuff like what I've been talking about today. He'll help you with it. See, you can't do it on your own. But the Lord can help us with that, you see. And that's what God wants to do. And if you'll pray that prayer, then you'll walk into light, you'll have fellowship, and his blood will cleanse you from, from all unrighteousness. See, you don't want to do everything but, but get clean. That's what the rich young ruler that I preach about all the time did. He was walking in the light, almost. He was having fellowship because he was a good guy. But he, he, he was not cleansed of greed and having another God. So he just left. With all his religious status, he just walked away from Jesus. Don't want that to happen here. And all I have to do is just say, Jesus, I'm yours. And I don't know what the Lord may be doing. The Lord may lay things or situations or whatever. But folks, when God turns this place upside down, or he turns that campus upside down, and then all of this turns this community upside down, you're going to say, man, I don't know why I fool with them cobwebs. I don't know why I didn't get rid of that a long time ago. Man, I, and you know what? This is something that I'm going to say and then we'll be dismissed. But there's not a doubt in my mind because I've seen it dozens of times. Whether people like or dislike people or not, if we had any need at all, it doesn't matter if it's a death or something happened to somebody's home or had surgery or a major thing. Everybody in there, there's not another church. I mean, of mega churches. There's not another church that will respond to needs any better than this church will. I can tell you that. I mean, look, we want to take somebody's head off, but we'll bring them a chicken casserole. Because that's just the way we roll. But now the Lord still wants you to bring that chicken casserole but now you're doing it because you can't imagine life without that person. See, that's that upper room right there. I'm trying to get there. A lot of people confuse why only 120 people showed up that day. I think only 120 people qualified to get up there. I ain't confused. And, and I want it, y'all. When I was a little boy, and some of you others in here, when you were growing up, you've seen the power of God. You've seen God move in great and mighty ways. You know what God can do. I can take you all down memory lane. Everything from grandma's touching a hot pot belly stove in the middle of a church, didn't know she was touching, and it never even faced her. She didn't know it. I can tell you all that. My great-grandpa praying, God, I ain't got no fish to feed this man. And when he got through two rows over, I've told you that story. There's a fish flapping in a corn field beside him and there ain't no pond nowhere near see God's real but see them people I'm talking about they were real too God ain't changed the only thing that's changed is people's standards you see and, and, and I, I, I want what God's willing to do in these last days so 
we, we're going to follow God. I don't know what I'm going to uh, be sharing next week. We may still be in this because we might have a lot of ground that we got to break. But I'm not willing just to mosey on through this and hold my fingers and hope God just throws a sprinkle on us. Because a sprinkle ain't going to... We need a gully washer. We live in a mean world right now, and I don't think y'all believe that. You just think we hit hard times like the 30s or something. Man, you better wake up. He is ruthless. And he's working through all kinds of avenues that you would never imagine, including pulpits. So, today as we lead the church, I, I, want you to, I want you to let the Lord help you with this because there's no telling what will happen Wednesday night. There's no telling what will happen next Sunday if we're still here. I don't know what God, there's no telling what will happen on your job or at school. I don't, I don't know what God will do. But I do know this, Lord, I want you to let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my strength and my redeemer.